My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I've traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it my right. way Can everyone hear me? Regrets, oh. I've had a few But then again I'm rolling out. I'm not restarting. I'm not restarting. I'm just gonna roll. Start us off with the roll call, Clap. President, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy, are you here? Yeah, I'm recording now. I'm here. All right. I'm ready to go. Officially. Failure to launch. Uh, hey, we're rusty. What, what can we say? Um, back to it podcast is back. All right. Lee and Tommy, how are you guys doing? Doing well, Clap. Enjoying. We were just kind of talking about it pre uh, pre record. About 60, 60 degrees here here in uh, Ann Arbor. We're flirting with sixty five though. And um, honestly, man, I was just in L A. I love L A. It's a beautiful place. You can't really beat the weather there. But man, days like this remind me why living in Michigan is worthwhile. Is in sixty five degree days in in early March, man, because they are they are beautiful. Yeah, Lee and I, Lee came out and visited me on the West Coast, and we had a very spirited trip out to, to Phoenix, Arizona to go watch some NHL hockey. And, the desert. Uh, we just call the it desert. the desert. We just call it the desert is right. Had a very interesting, had a very interesting time, and, uh, but now we're back in business, all right? We're back on our, uh, we're back on our draft season tip, we're back on our off-season tip. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Clep, but we're going to be going through a couple free agents today, huh? Doing some free agents, although I, I do have to do some some housekeeping. Uh, Lee reported to me that there's some uh, we got some late payments. I had to report to the boss. Yeah, man. I mean, Lee, the fact that you keep doing this every month and I've made my demand of why I haven't paid you, and yet it hasn't happened. I mean, it just makes me think that Whoa. there's there's some sort. What's your demand? I want the NFC's preview pod posted. Dude, I you you talked about that like I'm hiding it. I don't have the podcast. I told you that. I don't, I don't, I don't have it. If you want to send me your recording again, I only have my version end of the podcast. Well, I, I, if you want me to to post just me talking into an empty void, I can do that. But you guys need to send me your end. I'm not like trying to hide. I don't think I have. I didn't yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, you did. Right? You did. I clearly, I clearly didn't know that. I don't. It's it's gone into the void as well as our like playoff preview podcast that we swore we did yet isn't available. I, <laughs> there is a void. There is a Crehan sized void that is, uh, that, that it exists it, here. <laughs> just some I don't know. This is we got to get like an oversight committee in here as uh, Biden expands the government. We, we need to get pay Will one hundred twenty k a year to to be our uh, to be our our supervisor and our manager. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. I'll see what I can do with the budget and talk to talk yep. to Greyhound. They usually uh, come up with some money for us. I've located the file and I got my assistant on it. It'll be it'll be sent via large data file awesome. transfer uh, at the end we, of this podcast. We may have to post it sans Adam. There may be some big audio audio breaks yeah. in it, but it still probably would be worthless. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be in this probably. one, so I I can't find mine. 
I was having I was having computer gigabyte issues, and I've been mass deleting old files. Fair I, enough. Tommy's <laughs> on an Air Force base. So we're gonna have a little free agency conversation. Uh, it'll probably naturally evolve into some draft conversation, and then I just wanted to, towards the end, maybe just have a little bit of a. The Lions are going according to the Klepp plan. All right, if you read my article on December eighteenth, all right, and teleported into d- today, everything that is in that article has happened so far, and so I just want to continue lay out what I think they need to do going into free agency and the draft because um, they've been pretty consistent in terms of the full rebuild. I want to give them credit for that, and I think uh, some of these strategies will continue. So um, let's get into it, boys. Uh, the free agent list, it's its kind of intriguing. It's like maybe not a ton of marquee names, but a lot of guys that I think um, that will make differences on rosters next year some guys getting some some changes of scenery. Let's just talk about a few of them. The guys that jump off the page for me personally would be Will Fuller. Obviously, as we know, he won't be returning to Houston. I think Matt Milano is a, a great young linebacker. The Bills defense, the statistically, I've seen stuff on online that shows when he was out of the lineup, they were statistically far worse um, than when he was in. He, he made a big difference on that defense. Tommy was saying he read reports that the Bills aren't going to pursue him. I think that's a mistake. So we can talk about him uh, a little bit. And then some guys further down the line, Corey Davis, Lee and I, we were talking about Dalvin Tomlinson before podcast. I think William Jackson's a really interesting guys. Who who pops off for you as, as dudes who you think, you know, might maybe get more money than expected, or you just think with the change of scenery, they could provide a, a boost for a team? Um, right off the bat, I want to bring up Trent Williams, who I think we we all agreed when it happened the trade um, that were, that San Francisco had to acquire him. I think it was maybe a third or fifth round pick, something like that. Um, he ends up being one of the better tackles in the NFL. He's going to be the number one free agent. It looks right now uh, like San Francisco is going to do what they can to retain him, and he seems to be happy there. So I guess that would be the favorite uh, of where he could go. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if uh, several teams come out of the woodwork and overpay for this guy if that's even possible because he's a franchise left tackle and that outside of the quarterback position, you can make an argument is the most uh, important position on the field. So I do want to say, I'd love to see a team like the Indianapolis Colts make a run at him or even the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tommy kind of brought that to my attention yesterday, how withered their offensive line is um, after the, after last season. Um, One of those kind of more classic franchises with a coach that they know isn't going anywhere uh, uh, you know, a solid quarterback, a solid core, a team that has the ability to make a Super Bowl run, almost similar to the 49ers. If they can come out of the woodwork and make a deal or an offer like that, I think that that could be enticing for Trent Williams and for, for the team making the offer. Um, I do want to bring up, just for the sake of shouting out the running backs, I'm really interested to see what happens with Aaron Jones. This is a guy who you can make an argument was an elite running back in the NFL the past couple years, one of the better ones. Packers obviously drafting A.J. Dillon last year in the second round. Um, it seems like on the surface that they want to get a deal done, and I don't. I wouldn't rule that out. They seem to work pretty well as a tandem last year, um, and I think Jamal Williams is a free agent as well, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I, I think it's in the Packers' best interest to, to bring a guy like Aaron Jones back, but I don't really know if they're going to be able to afford it or if there is another team out there that's hungrier and, and willing to pay more for a player like that. Um and then Corey Lindsley sticking with the Packers is another offensive lineman that I'm interested to see. 
probably the best interior offensive lineman um, in the, this free agency class. I'm really interested to see uh, how much he's going to make and who's going to bear down because this time of year you look at the offensive line and it almost seems like every team in the NFL could use help um, on the, uh, the tackle position and on the inside. So to see who's going who's gonna to want to pay Corey Lindsley is going to be interesting too. I mean, I could go on all day with names, Bud Dupree, John Johnson. There's a ton of guys we can talk about. Overall, I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, free agency period, and I think there may be even more uh, surprising cuts to be made. But just as a surface to touch on, those are those are three guys I'm really interested in seeing. Tommy, before you go, I'm going to cut you off. All right, I'm going to send it right back to Lee real quick mm. for for a question. Um, or you know, Tommy, you can jump in here too. I was just being petty, but um, we we. Uh, we went through on our last podcast kind of the, the draft order and just went through quarterback situations. And there's a lot of interesting wide receivers in free agency. Obviously, you have you know top shelf guys like you know the Kenny Galladay's and, and the Will Fuller's. But then there's you know and even you know middling guy like a Juju Smith Schuster. And then you have some interesting guys like uh, Nelson Aguilar, Sammy Watkins, Marvin Jones. How do you think kind of the uncertainty around the league at quarterback? affects what teams are willing to pay these receivers or the demand that these receivers are going to bring in free agency, also considering that it's a pretty deep draft class. Uh, sorry, what was the beginning part of that? What do I think the demand for the receivers is going to be, considering how deep the draft class is? And, well, and do, do you think, do you think like how we talked about there being a lot of uncertainty at quarterback across mm-hmm. the league, do you think that's going to affect a team's willingness to pay these these wideouts or whether there's just going to be a little bit less demand than there would be because teams don't want to go pay free agency money when they don't have a quarterback in place and even a guy like a Curtis yeah. Samuel right who, who's a really talented player but if you're I don't know like New England or, or Minnesota or you know even like you know a team like even if you're a team like Seattle who could who could use some weapons but it's like you don't know if Russell Wilson's going to be there uh, you know, it's just, it, I just think it's going to be interesting to see how, how that affects it. Or do you think Yeah, it will? I think that it definitely will affect it. I think we're going to see a lot of different kind of approaches to uh, how teams spend money this offseason. A, because um, I guess analytics has taken over more than just uh, talent evaluation in, in, you know, a draft centric, you know, uh, way. It's, you're seeing guys like Warren Sharp basically flat out saying spending money in the free agency on players is a bad idea. Like, I think that that is going to be a trend that kind of catches a little bit. But at the end of the day, um, that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of value to be had with some of these players. Um, and I think that good franchises, good general managers, good coaches are going to are going to know kind of if your vision is clear, then. Even if you don't have a quarterback, if you have a vision of how that quarterback's going to come in or, or how these pieces are going to be assembled, then I think that there's a lot of value to be had out there, like I said, with a guy like Curtis Samuel, perhaps, or with a guy like Corey Davis, bringing them in and, you know, maybe helping a young quarterback, you know, get into his groove with players like that, or even knowing you're going to bring in an older quarterback, make a trade for a quarterback, whatever it may be. Um, I, I guess that doesn't really answer the question, but if you have a strong vision, there's going to, there's a lot of really good receivers and I don't think that it's – I guess I'll answer your question by saying, too, I don't think it's a good idea to put things off until the draft, really, and put yourself give pressure to yourself on draft night to make certain decisions. I'd rather sign a receiver and then even draft a receiver and have the luxury of making that pick because I like that player so much 
then go into draft day thinking, oh man, I need to get this position at this pick or else, you know, we're not going to be on course with what we're doing. So um, I guess that's how I, my, my overall feelings about it. Yeah. And I'll jump in and and wrap it up uh, to add a little bit of context too. just, um, you know, with COVID and everything with the, the stagnation of the salary cap and, and all of that, the, you know, kind of the economics of the NFL, I think we're going to see a lot of like more short-term deals, one-term, one-year deals uh, from teams who are not trying to overextend themselves. Um, and then, you know, in reference to the draft too, uh, you know, the draft is really the only, uh, when it comes to adding players, whether it be the draft or in free agency, the draft is the only venue where you kind of have an edge. I mean, for all of these players, we've seen them play for X amount of years, whether it's a guy like Juju who's been in the league for three or four years or whatever it is, or a guy uh, like Trent Williams who's been in the league for, you know, 10 or 11 years now. Um, they're just more of a known a known, known, and then you have to kind of, you know, evaluate and put a market value on them compared to other players. And that's where I kind of think a guy like Warren Sharp is coming from, and that's why we see so many teams. I mean, let's look at, like, the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are getting a lot of flack now from Mayock's first uh, offseason in 2019 where all of the players that they acquired have gone by the wayside and have been cut with, you know, Trent Brown being traded to LaMarcus Joyner being cut um, a couple days ago or yesterday, whatever it was. Um, it's just harder to, to hit in free agency, but then you look at a team like the Buffalo Bills who, uh, kind of hit their ceiling this year with, with Josh Allen and, and he really, his support system was really built through free agency. A lot of their offensive line work was done in free agency. Um, you know, obviously getting a guy like Diggs, Cole Beasley, um, was a free agent Diggs. The defensive pieces too. Totally. So I think, you know, it's, it really is, I think all in all, when you look at all the teams and how successful they are in free agency, a guy like that's what a guy like Warren Sharp is looking at, and he's probably right in terms of like the statistical, you know, how how likely it is you are to succeed. But it also just comes down to you know you just have to weigh those situations. You have a team like the Raiders on one end of the spectrum and a team like the Bills on the other end of the spectrum. And also, uh, lastly, so much of why that is possible with the Bills is because Josh Allen is on a rookie contract, and that's what makes these quarterback rookie contracts so valuable because it gives you flexibility. Um, in free agency, and it gets you it gives you the ability to be a little bit more risky and aggressive in free agency. So, um, I mean, you guys all summed up the key free agents I kind of wanted to mention. John Johnson, Corey Lindsley, those guys are guys that really stick out to me. I think there's a lot of value on the re- in the receiver room. Um, I guess you guys both didn't didn't mention Kenny Galladay, and I and I understand why. I think he's obviously the biggest fish on the market right now, and I think when healthy, I think my biggest asterisk with him is, is his health. But when he's healthy. Um, I think he's a fringe elite receiver. I think he's for sure a number one. Um, and I think a team, you know, giving him a, a short-term deal. I was I was thinking about giving Kenny G like a three a three-year sixty million dollar deal. That's something that I think I would be interested in. Um, you know, not really not as much term, but kind of giving him you know the opportunity to prove that he's healthy. And I think he's a top receiver when he is. So let's start going through some of these uh, names each to see if we can kind of. Pick a place where we think they'd be a good fit. Lee, you mentioned Aaron Jones. Uh, where, I guess, if you could pick maybe one ideal landing spot, where would that be? Um, I guess off the top of my head, I would say the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, just because if you're going to go in, you, this is this is your window, believe it or not. You're not, you're not building for the future anymore. You just got J.J. Watt. Um, I'm not a huge Kenyon Drake guy at all, and I like Chase Edmonds a lot, but I don't think he's really a starting NFL running back, honestly. I think he's more of a complimentary guy. Um, not to say you can't win with him, but 
Your offense is already explosive in the passing game. Like I said, you just brought in J.J. Watt. You got a little bit of money to spend. Go spend it on the best running back in the market and just make your offense that much more explosive um, and make teams fear your rushing attack that much more um, because, quite frankly, what's been happening at the running back position since Kyler Murray has come in and, and been the quarterback for the Cardinals has been, you know, I would say probably a bottom seven rushing attack you know, from the running back position in the NFL thus far. So if you can bring in a guy who is elite and 26 years old and has, you know, another two to four years of, of being, uh, you know, not a superstar, but a star uh, offensive player for, for your team, um, I think that can add a new dynamic to your offense and uh, make, make other teams fear you that much more. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think you guys are going to, they hate me for, for saying this, but I, I have to say it. I just have no interest in, in paying Aaron Jones big money. And you talk about a team like the Cardinals, I would be much more inclined for them to take a guy like Travis Etienne in the second round. Or even, I'd rather have Travis Etienne in the first round than paying Aaron Jones $50 million over four years or whatever whatever his market value is. Um, I think Aaron Jones is a really, really talented, really impressive running back. But until the NFL changes... Um, like the incentive structure for paying running backs, I just don't think uh, it makes sense. And we'll see what happens and how well Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey and even a guy like Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, some of these guys from that 2017 class where Jones is from, how they, um, you know, how they, how well they age in their contracts. But there has not been one running back, superstar running back, who has gone and paid and, and it's been worth it. You can point to Le'Veon Bell. You can point to uh, Todd Gurley. I just don't think it's a useful – it's just not the way that I would spend my money if I'm an NFL team. And Aaron Jones was a fifth-round pick. I know there's guys there's there's guys every year. I mean, we saw it last year with James Robinson. Antonio Gibson won in the third round. I just think that's just not where the value lies, especially in a offseason where teams are going to be as cap-strapped uh, yeah, I mean, as I they Yeah, I don't totally be. disagree with that that take at all, Tommy. I just think it's a, it's a matter of – Thinking about you know where could these guys uh, end up? I mean the one thing I'll say I guess in Aaron Jones' defense is I don't believe his his touches are that high. Everyone in the fantasy com- fantasy community hates Matt Lafleur because of the constant rotation with Jonathan uh, or Jamal Williams and uh, other and you know even towards the end of the year with AJ Dillon and stuff. You know Aaron Jones was never even really a workhorse back and he was still super super effective. Another team I kind of just throw out there Lee, would be Miami. You know, we, we talked. You talked about them even taking a running back in the first round. I feel like getting a guy like you know Aaron Jones, whether you believe Tua is the quarterback of the future, or you know eventually you're gonna have to get someone else, and surrounding him with talent like that would be pretty good. Um, what about? I mean, we can talk Lions. You know, what, Kenny Galladay, Lions decided not to uh, re-sign him. Uh, Tommy, you said Sark had a nice little landing spot. Where do you think uh, would be a good fit for Galladay? Um, my, this is, I was talking, I got to give Chris Sarkeesian a shout out here because we were chopping up about Kenny Galladay yesterday um, after, after the Lions decided to let him walk. And he brought up the Baltimore Ravens, and I could not think of a better spot for Kenny Galladay. You still have Lamar on the rookie contract for one more year. They're really missing that alpha number one uh, receiver, more of the jump ball guy. They have a guy like Miles Boykin who you know, is built like that way and is kind of that prototype, but is nowhere near the player that Kenny Galladay is. And I think that Kenny Galladay would do wonders for Lamar Jackson in terms of what he's able to do at the catch point in terms of jump balls, 50-50 balls. Obviously, Lamar is not as talented as Matthew Stafford is in terms of what he's able to do from an accuracy and arm talent standpoint. 
But I do think that right now you have a guy like Hollywood Brown who I think would really be would really thrive with a guy like Kenny Dolliday across from him. And then you have Mark Andrews, obviously, and what he's able to do in the red zone and how the chemistry that he's built with Lamar Jackson, how well their relationship has developed. I think Galladay would be a perfect fit uh, for Baltimore. And, and, you know, we've talked about this throughout the year. I've talked about this throughout the year. I'm really interested to see how, you know, Baltimore is at a bit of a crossroads, low-key, I think, a little bit, um, with Lamar Jackson and, and how they're going to continue to help him and aid his development. Um, and I think getting a guy like Kenny Galladay, who could really open up the offense a little bit, give you know him a, an alpha receiver that can you know go up and get it and when he's healthy be the focal point of that offense and then just thinking from more of a an on paper standpoint having Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown and Kenny Galladay and then a guy like Devin Duvernay who Lee and I liked a really a lot last year being more of that slot guy I think that's an awesome awesome personnel group for Lamar Jackson. How about the Packers? I was gonna. That's an interesting one, Lee. That would be. Uh, that'd be. Then I. Then I might come to. I'd come to Camp Tommy on the tag. I'd come to Camp Tommy on on Tag Island. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think he'd be a great fit for the Packers because I don't really think he is a number one receiver. Honestly, I think he's like a really good number two receiver, and I think he could play that role to the fullest in Green Bay, not having to be an alpha and also having you know a quarterback that is on Stafford's level, if not better. Um, in terms of his accuracy, uh, Green Bay really hasn't had that really strong number two option. I love Alan Lazard, but it's a you know there's no doubt in my mind Galladay would be an upgrade, and I think maybe you know getting Rodgers that weapon um, w- would do wonders for him. But I, I think Baltimore. I don't know Baltimore. You're right; they are at a crux, and I think it's weird, man. I don't think any receiver is a good fit in Baltimore because I just don't believe in Lamar Jackson like as a consistent passer, and I think that like. Sure, you, you definitely do need to get him help. You need to get him a receiver, but I don't think that their passing offense is going to make a dramatic leap of any sort, even if you do add a guy like that. I think you'll definitely be better, but I don't think you're going to be meeting the quota of what it takes to be a winning team uh, in, in the postseason passing the football by, by signing a guy like that. Not that it would be a bad move. And Lee, just to piggyback off you, something I was thinking about, we've been a big fan of, of mocking Rondale Moore to the Packers and liking that fit of Rondale Moore to the Packers. Imagine Kenny Galladay, Devontae Adams, and Rondale Moore in Green Bay and really kind of going yeah. to pull her that might be direction. over. That might be overkill. But, yeah, I, I definitely think that would be crazy. Because I still – I think Lazard, like, needs a role of some sort in that offense still. Like, but, yeah, I, I that would be – that's them trying to win a Super Bowl right One now. One of the – you know. Yeah, one of the um, fits I kind of thought about, and I could make this a twofold question. You know, what about the Bengals? Because I feel, you know, looking at the draft, I think the Bengals really need to address offensive line and some defensive pieces. But with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I think they could use a, an extra weapon for Burrow, especially too. Last year, Burrow was um, very good when they kind of spread the spread it out for for receiver sets and and things. So, do you think? Yeah, I, this is almost a two-part question. You know, I, I think Kenny Galladay could be a good fit there with with the guys that they already have. And then, do you think team? Do you think receivers would be interested in going to teams uh, like Cincinnati with a young quarterback in Burrow, or even you know, if the Jags call right and you're and you're Kenny Galladay and you know Lawrence is coming in? Do you think that receivers are going to be 
you know, willing to listen to, to offers from those teams, or if just a team like the Packers with Rogers call, you're kind of just going to take that route because of what's guaranteed. Um, I've, I think that's really interesting. You brought that up club because I was listening to Alan Robinson on the Chris Collinsworth podcast from a couple days ago. And he was talking about his situation going to Chicago from Jacksonville and Jacksonville had just gone to the AFC championship that year. I don't believe Robinson was playing because he was coming off his ACL injury, but he said he saw a team in Chicago that had a nice culture and was kind of building something. And, and, you know, obviously we are all down on Chicago, but to his credit, you know, I think he's been there three or four years. They've made the playoffs two times. And one of those years, obviously they were a bit of a darling. I mean, it was the next year, I think it was his rookie or his first year in Chicago. So I definitely think that's something you have to do. Um, if you're a free agent receiver, looking at a guy like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, you know, even Tua to a lesser extent. Um, and then, you know, like you said, these new crop of quarterbacks are going to come in. And especially if Trevor Lawrence is going to be in Jacksonville, no state no state tax in Jacksonville. You get to go down to Jacksonville, be with Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence. I think that's a uh, – those are definitely things that all players um, are, are talking about. So I think, Klepp, you bring up some great points with um, – you know, Cincinnati and, you know, Jacksonville and them potentially adding a another alpha. And I mean both of those both of those teams kinda have two nice young pieces in place with DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault and then uh, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. So it would be give them each a, a trio of sorts. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be silly to, to write teams off um that haven't been necessarily good over the past couple of years. Um especially when they have a good young quarterback. But, I mean, ultimately, my advice would be get your bag if you're Kenny Galladay. Like, you're, you, play, you played your cheap years. You're better than what you got paid, obviously. You played through your rookie contract. You're 27 now. You've been in Detroit. Like, it's not going to get much worse than what you've already experienced. I mean, and you kind of dodged a bullet by not getting tagged. For sure. Because you can get that long-term deal at you know, his age. So yeah, I think it's definitely just a happy medium between making sure that you're getting paid what you what you believe you deserve and then some, and then uh, finding the right fit to make sure you're not. Hey Kenny, take the it. take the biggest deal you get. We want that comp pick. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, get your money. Um, what about Will Fuller? Um, I, I kind of want to start this off because I'm going to steal your guys' Kenny Kenny G or Lee's Kenny G destination. I think Green Bay is a great destination for Will Fuller. I remember they were in trade talks. There was a, some trade rumblings going around around the deadline about him going to Green Bay, uh, but I believe they weren't ready to give him the huge contract. But I think I think Will Fuller is a little bit better of a fit for Green Bay as compared to Kenny Galladay because you have Devonte Adams who can do. I mean, Devonte Adams is an elite number one receiver who does everything, and adding a guy like Will Fuller who can be a little bit more in the traditional deep threat role, um, kind of like how he was with with DeAndre Hopkins in in Houston for Deshaun Watson, and basically have Will Fuller replace uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, um, who has a similar you know skill set in terms of the speed, but is nowhere near the the polished receiver that Will Fuller is. Um, I think that would be a great great. Uh, fit for the Green Bay Packers would be Will Fuller. Um, yeah, Tommy, I agree. I was definitely uh, on the, in the camp of Green Bay's uh, tra- trading for Fuller last year. I thought that would be a good move, so I definitely agree with that. I'm trying to think a little bit off the beaten path. What about Indy? Well, that what was, about Indy? I was going to say that. That was going to be because I don't even know what's happening with T.Y. Hilton, but to to get a burner like Will Fuller on your team who. Played his college ball, obviously, in South Bend, pretty pretty nearby. He's a, he's a, he's familiar with the state of Indiana, I guess we'll say. 
And um, yeah, I mean, a little divisional vengeance with the with the Texans. I mean, you played against this guy twice a year. He obviously had a Will Fuller had a great year last year. I mean, I don't know if that was because of the PEDs or or because uh, <laughs> or because he was like the only viable deep threat on on the team playing with a great quarterback. It's probably a mix of both, but he's a really good player. And I think he could bring a lot to the table. And I think he's really, in terms of what Indianapolis, after bringing Carson Wentz, what they kind of need for their offense, I think he fits the mold of like what they could possibly need um, in terms of just a burner who can uh, who can get behind the defense and, and Wentz can bomb, you know, seamers too. Uh, so, yeah, I think Indy would be a good fit. I'm trying to think of like a little bit more unique, but nothing's really well, coming to Lee, mind. Lee, I was going to say too – for all these receivers, I know I feel like maybe we're not bringing this team up because of how we feel about the quarterback situation, but Philly should be calling all these guys agents. Mm. Yeah, that's a good to point. Me. If you're Philadelphia, you got to be, and it's the same thing. Like I said with with Miami and Tua, even if you maybe you don't think Tua or Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback of the future, whoever that person is is still going to need someone to throw to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think if the Eagles should absolutely be calling these guys. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Clep. I think you might be able to even say similar things about the Giants, too. Like, they don't have a great receiver room either. Um, yep. But I think it's just a factor of, like, what receiver is going to want to go play with Daniel Jones at a certain mm-hmm. extent. Like, if you're a guy who has similar offers and other, you know, with other teams, I don't yeah. know if, like, the Giants or even Philly is, like, that intriguing of a landing spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if I can jump in real quick, because... Um, as a guy who loves his his mock drafts, I I have been I'm a big proponent of of Philly. I believe that they're going to stick with Hertz this year, and um, and I think they're going to have to put him in the best position to succeed. And I think they're in a prime uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith conversation. And I would put the Giants in that conversation too. Um, you know, I I definitely think you know the Giants with what Darius Slayton is their is their number one receiver right now. I think he's a, a solid number two. Shepard Shepard's number one, I would say. Yeah, but both Slayton and Shepard, they're they're not ones. They're they're both twos. Yeah, no, I'm um, not saying he's a one. I'm just saying yeah. he probably got the most looks in their offense. Yeah, totally. And I guess uh, I guess uh, Slayton is in a little bit more in that deep threat role right now. But they they both could use um, a number one complete receiver. I think a Philly at six, uh, if they have to stick and pick, and they're not in the quarterback market, uh, I think you know if Jamar Chase gets past Cincinnati at five, I think that would be an awesome um, an awesome fit for Philly, and then. For the Giants, I think whoever whomever falls, uh, whomever falls out of that big three, and even you know if they want to take a take a shot on Rashad Bateman, I think that would be a great move too. I think um, the more and more that I watch of Rashad Bateman, the more and more I kind of am starting to see him, you know, be the fourth member of that big three and really creating a big four of receivers. Uh, really like his talent, um, you know, as a route runner, as a separator, and doing all those things. So. Um, I think that that'd be priority number one for me if I'm the Giants and the Eagles. They both have young quarterbacks that they seem to be sticking with for this next year, and they need to give them weapons. So that's where I'm at. Um, let's go into some uh, defensive players here. We'll do a little two-for-one. Uh, a back judge favorite, Matt Judon, out of, out of Grand Valley, is hitting the open market. And then Matt Milano uh, in, in Buffalo, he also a very talented linebacker. Gonna gonna be hitting free agency. Lee, do you have any two two teams off the top of your head for for these two guys? Oh boy, you know what I'll say. Um, for Matt Judon, I think the Tennessee Titans would be a really good fit um, because that's another team that they really tried to 
turned a 29-year-old or 28-year-old Jadavian Clowney into something that he wasn't, I think, last year, and that experiment kind of blew up in front of their face. The whole Vic Beasley thing kind of blew up in front of their face. I, uh, they really haven't had a lot of uh, luck in terms of acquiring talent at edge outside of drafting Harold Landry a couple of years ago who's been a good player for them. Um, so I think bringing in a guy like Judon who's proven, experienced, um, old but not too old, um, he's got he's got definitely a few years of his prime left where he can make that impact. Um, I think that would be a a really strong move for them. And then off the top of my head with uh, Matt Milano, I mean they can't afford him, but boy would it be a great signing for the Saints. I think to to bring in a linebacker yeah. of that caliber, um, but it's almost like pie in the sky, saying that the Saints are going to sign anyone like that. So I guess um, my second. How about the Panthers, man? Get Shaq Thompson some help in the middle. You can use help everywhere almost on defense. Uh, why not bring in a That was going to lead into my next question is where is Tahir Whitehead going to end up? Oh, wow. Bring him back to Detroit, baby, for the rebuild. Bring him back to Detroit. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Judon's an interesting one. Um, I think when you kind of look through the edge defender class, obviously it looks like Shaq Barrett is is the cream of the crop. But I think, I mean, at least for me, I mean, I know Judon has had some big years, but I'm I'm a little bit more intrigued by guys like Carl Lawson, um, Melvin Ingram. I know he's a little bit older. Uh, even like a guy like Trey Hendrickson, who really came on this year for for New Orleans, and and most likely, I mean, definitely will not be re-signed by them just with their cap situation. Um, and you know, I think Judon has a little bit more name recognition. Obviously had. Um, some big years. Um, I mean, what he's he's had some ten sack years for sure, right? And he seems. I mean, he seems to be such a perfect fit for that Baltimore system. I mean, ultimately, I think it'd be great for him to to stay there, but I don't know how likely that is. But I think Lee brings up a great point with Tennessee, getting kind of more of a a power guy to 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 pair with um, Harold Landry and his speed. Um, I'm still waiting on the on the Harold Landry nuclear season to happen, and and maybe Judon would be the great a great facilitator for that. Um, for Milano, I think you guys all brought up some, some great spots. I would think, you know, the Eagles really need some, some linebacker help. The Packers could use some linebacker help. So I think there's a lot of teams that could use, could use linebackers. I mean, the, the Lions really need some, some linebackers. I mean, obviously for the Lions, I'd be more inclined to get someone who is a little bit more, who uh, offers a little bit more upside in coverage, but um, yeah, I think a lot of teams need uh, a versatile, you know, kind of new aging linebacker like Matt Milano. I want to, um, I want to take center stage right now and and bring out some uh, some deep cuts. I want to have a little Johnny Smith conversation because I think I would covet him higher than Hunter Henry. I know Hunter Henry might be a little bit more complete of a tight end in terms of like blocking and everything, but I just think Johnny Smith uh, brings a really nice skill set and, and is kind of in that that modern. Uh, Modern tight end range is a, a big reason why I'm I'm really liking Brevin Jordan out of out of Miami. I think Johnny Smith kind of offers that traditional traditional H back role, and and I think he could be a really nice fit in in Jacksonville for a guy like Trevor Lawrence to stay in the division, or even Cincinnati for Burrow. We talk about these young quarterbacks who need weapons. I think Johnny Smith, uh, you know, has a, a has a really nice skill set and can be used incredibly creatively. Um, in the right in the right system with the right personnel around him, so I'm really intrigued to see where uh, Johnny Smith is going to land this year. All right, is Tennessee not going to try and keep him? I mean, they they obviously didn't tag him, so they if they're working on a um, on a long term deal, uh, that would be news. That'd be news to me. Um, 
I kind of want to. I want to go back to receivers real quick and go to go down some of the deeper cuts. Um, Clep, you mentioned Curtis Samuel. I think Curtis Samuel might be the biggest sleeper of the receiver class. Um, when you look at a lot of what NFL teams are trying to do and or what their what goal you know they're trying to, or uh, what our archetype for receivers are trying to get in the. Uh, I don't want to say a Tyree kill, but you know we're seeing guys like Kadarius Tony get a lot of hype coming out, and I think Curtis Samuel is built in that same you know. He's, he's only 24 years old. He was a, a high draft pick out of Ohio State. And really, we kind of saw his potential this year uh, with Joe Brady, with Christian McCaffrey being out. He played a little bit of, of running back, just a really dynamic piece. And I think if you're a team like Green Bay who misses out on, on Will Fuller or any of the teams that we're kind of mentioning, you know, we've, we've been kind of saying the same the same teams of, of, you know, or even a team like the Chiefs who, you know, are, might be missing out on Sammy Watkins. And we've talked about Nicole Hardman and his limitations as uh, a receiver. I just think Curtis Samuel, I don't have really, I think he could fit a lot of places, but I could see him being a potential gem. Um, you know, a guy that isn't going to command as much money, nowhere nearly, you know, the, the 15 plus million dollars that a lot of these other receivers are going to get, but can be a really nice number two, number three in a really good system and really kind of open up your offense for you and do a lot of nice things with. Lee, um, you, you talked about Corey Lindsley, man. I think Corey Lindsley had a really nice year, has had a couple, has had a couple really nice years in, uh, in Green Bay. Uh, we talk about teams who need a lot of interior offensive line help. I think, you know, he's at the top of a lot of teams' lists, huh? Yeah, I definitely, definitely would be. Um, it's kind of tough to predict who's going to be signing a guy like that just because it's, comes down to who's prioritizing, you know, spending money on the uh, on the on the interior offensive line. Um, so I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen with T.Y. Hilton. Um, I think he's probably, you know, he's out of his prime, but I I think he's got good football left. I, we saw him come on a little bit towards the end of the season last year, um, and I think part of that had to do with just like. The fact that he's not playing with Andrew Luck anymore, obviously, but I still think he has something to offer. Um, he's, I think he's probably right around thirty or thirty-one. So, I think that might be a guy who's worth, uh, you know, giving giving a look through. And um, yeah, man. Other than that, I, I mean, obviously, I'm interested to see where some of these running backs are going to go and what the market is going to be for these running backs because. Although, obviously, you don't want to spend too much money on, on running backs. I think that there's some good deals to be had out there, a la Leonard Fournette with Tampa Bay this year, um, kind of being an odd fit uh, with them and, and, and coming on at the right time. So I you, think that could be really interesting. Even though, then, well, huh. yeah, I, I was just going to say, although I've played the, uh, the role of, of running back hater, I think my my best value running back deal that I would make for if if you can get him for the right price is Chris Carson, man. I really like Chris Carson the way he plays. He runs hard. I think he's you know he's had I think a thousand yards each year that he's he's been in Seattle. A guy who was a seventh round pick from from Oklahoma State. Um, you talk about the Steelers Lee a lot wanting a running back. I think Chris Carson would be a great fit in Pittsburgh if they can get him for the right price. Um, you know, obviously doesn't offer the high end that, that Najee Harris might, uh, do from, you know, in terms of receiver, but really I think kind of is in that same mold is very physical, can, can receive out of the backfield, uh, just as an all around really good player who, who plays hard. And I've really enjoyed watching him over the last couple of years and he's, he's 26 years old. So is in that prime. You got any deep cuts? Uh, 
Dalvin Tomlinson, man. I like Dalvin Tomlinson a lot. Obviously, the Giants aren't going to be re-signing him after tagging Leonard Williams. I think that guy, um, it's interesting. With these big D tackles, man, They some of them age really well. So if you can get Dalvin, Dalvin Tomlinson for a few Daquan Jones is also Tyson available from, from, from Tennessee. Yeah, and then Tyson – Tyson Alulu too, from Pittsburgh. He had a really good year yep. last year and the year before. He had two really good years, and that's yeah, a guy like, who great, you can sign. Great finally. Tyson Alulu, former first-round yeah. pick, man. That's I think that's a guy who could definitely make an impact for you. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that pretty much wraps it up for me in terms of, like, guys I'm keeping an eye on. John Brown just got cut, so these names are updating as we – That's uh, interesting for the apps. As we speak, yeah, that, that is a lot of. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, fantasy value changes yep. coming in the coming days here. So, especially with the quarterback volatility, it be, uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah, um, um, Dalvin Tomlinson, Lee, great, great, in the, great against the run. I think there's a lot of teams last year who really struggled against the run. Um, I want to go backwards and I want to pose a a question to you guys. Um, this is something we kind of danced around, and I feel like we've been talking about. Um, you guys mentioned Cincinnati. They objectively really need offensive line help. Um, and a lot of other teams, a lot of other teams too, do too. But I'm thinking of, I'm just, I want to pose you guys this question. Um, a little exercise in opportunity cost. Break out, break out an econ, econ word. So your team like the Cincinnati Bengals, are, are, and let's just use them as an example. You have the fifth overall pick. We mentioned them being a potential spot for Kenny Galladay. They could use a a weapon for Joe Burrow. They obviously need help on the offensive line, where basically everyone but Jonah Williams, I think, is is replaceable. And even Jonah Williams, I mean, last year was technically his rookie season, so but they still are, are going to hold out hope for him. What do you guys think of spending money on a receiver like a Kenny Galladay, like a Will Fuller, like a whomever? Or drafting a receiver like Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, take take your pick of the litter at number five. Um, or drafting an offensive tackle like Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater, or spending money on an offensive tackle like whether it be Trent Williams or Villanueva. I mean, obviously these guys are a little bit older and they're not. It's not nearly the same as the receivers who are all kind of still relatively young. Um, and I think this kind of ties back into the conversation that Lee you brought up with. Um, you know, the, the, the failure of free agency and how many teams kind of bomb free agency and end up cutting a lot of these guys two or three years down the road. If I'm, if I'm the Bengals, I'm much more um, interested in taking an offensive lineman at five, like Slater or Sewell, who I would be shocked if both of, that, if both of those guys were off the board at five with kind of how we think the quarterbacks are, are going to go. Um, and then just trying to sign a guy like Kenny Galladay um, I would be much more inclined to do that. Yeah, I honestly am of the I'm, – I'm pretty uh, extreme on this topic. Like, I don't think the Bengals have the luxury of looking anywhere but tackle at, at the fifth pick. Like, like I literally yep. think that – Let's – okay. You got to get Bobby um, yeah, Hart like, I think you take team. Sewell at five. I think you, you yeah. can sign a guy like Joe Thune or, you know, one of these other – Gabe Jackson perhaps to, to bolster Would you rather the, have – uh, would you rather have? Let's take the high end of both. Let's pretend that Trent Williams wants to come to Cincinnati. I mean, that's so just not real, though. Trent Williams He's not going to go there. It's not necessarily not real. They could. They are in a position to overpay him. They could give him twenty upwards of twenty million dollars a year. I mean, it kind of depends on you know what he wants to. Yeah, do. Yeah, but I don't know if you're going to like and move Jonah Williams. I, I don't know. I, I after playing him yeah, his I'm, first year at, at left tackle, you're just going to switch him over to right. 
Like Yeah, I mean, I guess then, uh, I guess Moton is a right tackle. He's off the board. But I, I guess it's just Daryl Williams. He's a nice player for Buffalo. He's a right tackle. I mean, getting... That's Ford's think, backup. What's that? I said that's Ford's, Ford's backup. Cody Ford's backup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, you know, if, if you were, let's just pretend that you can get Trent Williams and you can draft a guy like Jamar Chase or Jalen Walter or Devonta Smith or, you know, signing a guy like, you know, uh, Corey Davis or Juju or even Kenny Galladay and drafting a uh, Rashawn Slater. Or, I just think or that's Penny a bad Sewell. question because Trent Williams is arguably like the best left tackle in football. So, like, yeah, I'd rather have Trent Williams and be able to draft a receiver, but that's just, to me, is literally not real. Like, I don't think Trent Williams is going to take Cincinnati, Cincinnati's offer no matter what it is because I think he's too wise and experienced to put himself in that position. He are, he had to take a year off from football for cancer treatment. Like, this guy's been through the ringer. I also, too, like, Tommy, the, I don't really think the Bengals are, like, confined to just this year in their rebuild and good wide receivers come into the draft and into free agency way more often than offensive tackles. I mean, as far as tackles go, beyond what, like we said, Villanueva, you're looking at dudes like, I mean, is Rick Wagner, right? You don't want him. Or like, you know, it's just like the, 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 there's really no talent at tackle beyond, you know. Also, like, if you can spend that money that you're going to spend on Trent Williams on, I know Gabe Jackson didn't have a great year last year, but he's better than what you have right now on the inside. If you can sign a guy like that and maybe a Corey Lindsley too, you, you can spend all that money on those two guys and then you draft Sewell and now you have a legit yeah. offensive line. You drafted T Higgins with your first pick in the second round last year. You can, you can draft more weapons in the second round. You have the, the fifth pick in the second round. Like, you already have Higgins and Boyd, which is a good little tandem. Obviously, you need help there. But, like, I think you kind of got to build, if you're Cincinnati, after seeing the way – how many hits Burrow took last year and then him tearing his ACL. Like, I just think that you're squandering Joe Burrow if you're not – like, you're doing him a disservice if you're not building from the line out kind of. And, and if you no, believe in, in Joe Burrow to the level that they believe in him and that I think we believe in him, he should be able to operate just fine with Mixon – Higgins and Boyd, right? Like, yep. You know, in the interim, because you can still draft a guy in the second round. You can still get a guy next year. Heck, maybe if you well, and what were you saying? Well, no, and I was just gonna say to Klepp's point. I mean, if they do draft a guy like Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater, one of them, someone's gonna have, be having to move to right tackle, whether it's Jonah Williams or you know Sewell or or Slater. Um, both of those guys played. Uh, you know, left tackle in college. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I would have a much more comfortable time sliding Williams over to right tackle for uh, for a 21-year-old than for a 31-year-old, though, I guess. You know, I just think that that's more, you know, I, I think that'd be an easier move to make. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I've answered the question. And, I, I want to bring something and, up, too, if you're – if you're, are you done yet? Or Well, I just wanted to say one thing, too, and, and maybe I, I'm just trying to address this um, because uh, – Maybe I'm also biased because when I think of the possibilities of Jamar Chase reuniting with, with Joe Burrow and, and how special and dynamic they were in that one year at LSU, um, that obviously just, you know, to, to think of the high end, the ceiling of, of that tandem paired with, you know, Tyler Boyd can play in the slot and then you have T. Higgins on the other side. I just think that's a that's a pretty mouthwatering, um, you know, combination. So yeah, I guess but that's probably. If prob- you don't have an offensive line, none of that works. 
Well, I'm not saying don't address the offensive line. It's just more about you can, you know, this is a very this ta- this tackle class is deeper than the receiver class. This is one of the better tackle classes to come along. There's guys like Alex Leatherwood, you know, Samuel Kosme potentially, uh, you know, Eichenberg from Notre Dame. There's going to be guys there at, at the fifth pick in the second round for them. Obviously, it's you know, it's all about the opportunity cost of, of each and everything, and that's why I thought it was it was interesting to to bring it up. But we can move on. I want to bring something up real quickly too. I, I have a prophecy to make. It's a little bit off. It's a little bit off cuff. Someone's gonna offer make Jameis an offer he can't refuse, and it ain't gonna be New Orleans. I, I think Jameis Winston is going to be signed elsewhere. Um, Chicago. Let me. Let me let me Chicago, let me hop on that. Chicago, I was gonna say Denver, man. Denver, Please Denver. Carolina, Denver. Pittsburgh. I don't know. Someone's gonna sign that dude though, because New Orleans doesn't have the money to to make a counter offer, and I think there are still. I think Jameis is still in that kind of in that Darnold category, where it's like he's older than Darnold, but he's not thirty yet. He's a few years away from thirty. He was a former number one pick. He's backed up for the Saints. All Sean Payton talks about is how ready he is to start. I mean, he's a better alternative than Fitzpatrick. He's a better alternative than Alex Smith. He's a better alternative than Cam Newton. He's a better alternative than Jimmy Garoppolo or Teddy Bridgewater. Like These are the names you're hearing on the market right now. So to me, Jameis is the most valuable quarterback on the market right now. Unless you don't have to give anything up for him. You don't have to give anything up for him. So I'm thinking, man, like... As great as it would be for the Saints to have Jameis, like someone's, it would be in someone's best interest to make an offer for Jameis because I think he's better than Drew Locke. I think he's better than Ben Roethlisberger. I think he's better than Teddy Bridgewater, et cetera, et cetera. So I completely agree with you, but I do think, I think Pittsburgh and Carolina are are out on that situation. As much as I, I'd love to see Jameis in, in Pittsburgh, but as we were talking about, you know, pre-pod when I brought up Fitzpatrick potentially going to Pittsburgh, like they're I think they're going to die on the Roethlisberger Hill for one more year. I mean, I feel like this has to be his last year playing. They have, you know, they can't afford. Really, yeah, you're you know, right. To, I got something to say, too, off that thought. Clep, at Clep. Do we smell a little organizational hubris in Pittsburgh, perhaps? Hmm. Most definitely. I smell Most definitely. I smell a little bit signing Haskins, the, the whole juju situation. Like, it just seems like... Pittsburgh thinks they might be a little too big to fail. The Rothis bringing Roethlisberger back, it's all gonna work. It's all gonna work. We're Pittsburgh. My 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 love for Tomlin is getting in the way for me uh, to to call the yeah. the, the Steelers organization one of organizational hubris. But you can look at it and say, look, you guys haven't won anything worthwhile since what 2010 when when was when yeah. did they beat the Cardinals? Like over a decade ago, yeah. and you're and you're still trying to run it back. Um, well, they beat the Packers in 20 or no, they lost to the Packers. Yeah. So it's like, you guys haven't, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess you have an AFC championship, right. In the last decade. And other than that, you've been completely trounced by Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and just have kind of dominated your division just because your division hasn't been so hot. But I mean, I think, I think, I think you're, you're right to an extent, Lee. I don't know. You know, it's kind of the thing like if, okay, like if you didn't, like if you're, I give you control of the Steelers for a day, right? And you can do whatever you want. What moves are you making 
at the quarterback position. And I guess you could even, I could even take you back to pre Stafford trade. Like what, what moves are you making where you're like going into the season thinking, okay, I believe in Pittsburgh. Like, obviously you, you don't resign Ben, right? You let Ben go would be number one. Yes, completely. There's no completely. shot. I'm not associating with Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not associating with Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. And I'm I'm making a sh- I'm making a short list of quarterbacks that I believe we can win a Super Bowl with. And by short list, I mean a freaking short list. Like that list is short. Um, and I'm pursuing those guys. Stafford would be in that conversation. I think Jameis would be in that conversation. Like, I'm partially salty about this because this time last year, and I'm not saying I was the only one saying this, but I was saying. They should sign Jameis. Like, why not take a chance on Jameis and yeah. have him back up Ben Roethlisberger this year? And now this year they sign Haskins, who has way less is a, talent. Yeah, he's just a much, much, much worse version of Jameis, basically, or any other quarterback that's been a high pick and failed. And I and I think the Hask I think Haskins is is you can record me saying this and and throw it in my face if I'm wrong. I think his career is over as we know it. Like he is nowhere near a consistent starting NFL quarterback and never will be. And for them to sign him, bringing Ben back, oh, it's for less money. Like, you guys are screwed right now, basically. Did you watch the Cleveland game? Did you see the Washington game? Did you see how the year ended? Like, this is – it's a problem. And I think that they'll be able to compete next year for sure because I think they have a really good defense and I don't – Although I think Ben is bad, as long as he's getting the ball out in under three seconds, like they can win a few games. But like they're kind of screwed, man. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that their quarterback position has been squandered by their the decisions they've made the past two years. And you know, I don't know. I I don't like the way their receivers act too. I don't like you know they drafted Stell, they drafted McFarland, and neither of those guys are long term running backs for you probably. Like. Uh, I just don't, uh, Tommy. I know you think McFarland is some like he's just some. Well, it's not even about to, it's. You know, it's about. You know, I don't. I again, I don't want. To, we don't have to get in the running back conversation because I think a lot of what you said there, Lee, I completely agree with. Um, obviously, it starts with Ben Roethlisberger bringing him back. You know, for twenty-five million dollars or whatever it is, is is you know is not good. And this is why I'm going to continue to to sell Pittsburgh stock. I will I will be betting there. Their win total under. I hope. I hope it opens at like a nine and a half. There's no or, way it will. Uh, There's a zero percent chance of nine. that happening. What do you think it opens at? Eight then? Eight, maybe eight and a half if you're lucky. I don't think there's any way it, it's nine. I think there's no way it's nine. There's too many smart people who are going to be like, why should I? Why should this be nine? Especially after what Cleveland and Baltimore have done the past year. And even Cincinnati, well, and for that matter. And Cincinnati, too. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, I you was know. getting ready to say that I think they're the worst team in the division, but I I held that back because of Tomlin, because of their defense, because of the certain floor that I think they present. But Yeah, I'm not willing just to go the, there yet. But yeah, I'm just yeah, saying, from what the you. standard is in Pittsburgh, they're in trouble. Because the standard is like the culture and winning. The and, standard you know, is you win the division every year. Yeah, is, That's the standard, absolutely. is that you're AFC North champs. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's their it's their their decisions are definitely frustrating. I you know Lee, you're kind of convincing me to the the hubris wagon just because of you're you're completely right in the sense that you've been calling for them to bring in a guy like Jameis behind Roethlisberger um, for you know what, almost two years now. 
Um, we had the Darnold conversations too with yep. Pittsburgh. You know, giving a second rounder for Darnold. It's you know, it's just they didn't want to address any of that. So they brought in Black Rosen instead. <laughs> That's what it is. It's like you're bringing in a guy who's just like done nothing to prove that he. I will say, I'm not. I'm not going to defend Dwayne Haskins, but I will say in a vacuum. Like paying Dwayne Haskins, you know, eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars or a million dollars or whatever it is in the grand scheme of things, uh, like is only upside. Like I don't. Oh think, yeah, I'm you not know, saying it's a bad contract. I'm just saying more of the move symbolically. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's just like oh, to me, maybe I'm reading too much into it. It's like oh, we're Pittsburgh, we're 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 gonna he's gonna come in, he's gonna learn the culture, and and you know we're gonna turn him into what he could have been because he have all the tools he has. And I just don't. I think that it's a it's a an experiment that is bound to fail and this is something that the whole were pittsburgh thing should have been happening last year with Jameis, with a guy who actually can succeed i i believe so well and 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 Jameis, you know went to new orleans for a million dollars you know like it's mm-hmm. it's yeah well, exactly. i'm completely with you and who who knows you know what that the end of the season would have looked like i mean they probably wouldn't have benched ben when his play started to, to fall off but i mean uh, with a guy like Chase Claypool who can stretch the field vertically like he can, and a guy like Jameis who, who you know has that skill set, I mean, obviously, I think it'd be a, a great fit. We can hop off that, but that's my prophecy. Someone's going to give Jameis some. Money. I like, I that's like that, Lee. I like that, yeah. and especially too with it. The whole thing is so weird with New Orleans and Taysom Hill. Like, if you're Jameis, are you really mm-hmm. going to, you know, think twice? I don't know. So, um, well, and how does how does New Orleans resign Jameis? They're like they're negative sixty seventy million dollars right now. They're, yeah, they're they're having. You know, I mean, like, yeah, there's a bunch of good players too, right? I mean, Sheldon Rankins, Trey Hendrickson are, are heading out the door. Yeah. So, Manuel Sanders. Let's not forget about Emmanuel yep. Sanders, who was just cut today, who's going to make a big impact on the Packers next year when they bring him in. Um, the guy we didn't bring up in the whole one-hour free agency conversation. <laughs> a recent cut. Um, can we have a little Lions conversation? Yeah, let's. Um. I was just thinking last night just about what I guess what their approach should be in free agency. Um, my instinct would be that they should be and will be very hands off and and not really in the market uh, for any of these big big money guys. You know, like the Matt Milanos of the world. As much as I would love a Matt Milano on the team, I just. Don't really think it'd be smart to spend what sixteen, seventeen million dollars a year on an off-the-ball linebacker in a in a complete rebuild. Um, but at the same time, I think there's just like holes on this team that you need to fill uh, all over the place, and you should be signing, you know, the Tyrell Williams of the world, which was you know a nice little signing uh, for Detroit. I, I just kind of wanted to talk about their their defense, though. For personally, I don't think you know they should be really looking to get a corner uh, in the draft or in free agency, even really in the secondary. Um, I think you look at Jeff Okuda, Amani Owarie, and Tracy Walker and just like play them this year and see how they do. Because if those guys can play better without, or if, they, if those guys can just prove that they're starters, I think that speeds up your rebuild uh, on defense. And with those guys in place, you know, they really need help in the front seven. And I would just kind of focus on the front seven and, and the offensive line. Um, but I, I don't know. Do you guys think that they'll make any splashes in free agency? What do you think kind of their approach should be? Because the other thing, too, if you make a big splash in free agency, I think they have a chance to get 
potentially two comp- two high compensatory picks if you got because they're going to let Galladay go, who might get twenty mil a year. Romeo Quara, I think, might get ten mil a year annually. Marvin Jones might get like a nice little, you know, three, four, five million dollar deal. And then you have other guys, you know, like Jared Davis, who who a team might try and take a chance on. I mean, you're looking at a net of like about forty million dollars that could potentially get you, you know, a third and a fourth compensatory next year. For sure. Um, I'll start this off by saying, if the Lions are going to spend money, I would like it to be on a on a guy who's like twenty six years old or younger. I don't want to sign somebody who isn't aligned with the window of success in Detroit, which is probably definitely not this year, probably not next year. So we're looking at a team that is going to be looking to compete at a very high level, in my opinion, in two years. Um, so you just brought a guy up like Trey Hendrickson. Like I don't know how much he's going to be going for, but I wouldn't be mad at all if Detroit paid for a player like that, an edge presence who I think is highly underrated. He's 20, 25, 26 years old. Um, I think he could come in and arguably be the best player on the Lions defense from day one. Uh, so I think that could be the beginning of a culture change, signing a guy like that. Um, a guy who's a little bit not – hasn't produced nearly as much, but uh, in the same age range as Carl Lawson from Cincinnati. I think that might be another guy that you um, that you could be possibly looking at. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking at – Interior D linemen, edge players, because uh, there's there's honestly too many holes on this team to fill in the draft. Like you need help everywhere. So if you can sign uh, uh, some young guys who are not necessarily inexpensive, but aren't aren't going to break your your bank, they're not like superstar players. Um, I think that's a good move. But honestly, all in all, I'm not going to be mad at all if the Lions play this one safe and kind of you know. They're not. They don't necessarily have a have a hole burning in their in their wallet to to start paying guys because you know I, I don't think they're in a position to really do that. But I do think that there's value to be had with some smart spending um, if if they want to if they want to do that deep digging. Yeah, guys, I completely agree. Like they, my overall take is they should be hands off and just kind of commit to a full rebuild. Um, but you know, I'm looking at uh, Okwara right now, man. Like he's. He's 25. I guess he'll be 26 when the season starts. Like the fact that they didn't re-sign him at a, probably a number that would be pretty reasonable. I think for what he was able to do. Um, I mean, Klepp, would you say that Okwara was their best edge defender last oh, 100%. year? Oh, hundred percent. Was better than Trey Flowers. At least with rushing the passer. I mean, yeah. Trey Flowers, I mean, he, you know, does did a lot for them. I guess in Patricia's scheme by like moving up and down the line. Um, I just think I think you know when it comes to a guy like Romeo Okwara, I just think the the brass there is just much more willing to, you know, let him kind of go and collect the compensatory pick for him that they will get and just focus, you know, say like, all right, what can Julian Aquara do? You know, can, can Austin Bryant stay healthy? Can Deshaun hand stay healthy for a year? Right. Uh, and then, I mean, you still have Trey flowers is going to be on this team in, in 2021. So it's just, you, you don't necessarily have like nobody, there um so that's kind of what i think the thinking is on on him it's such an experimental year too man like they're trying because it's like it's like tommy if you if you let galladay you know go right and he signs for 16 million a year and then you re-sign aquara for 10 you're not going to get a third or third round compensatory pick so it's kind of a thing like would you rather have like two like a third and a fourth round pick next year or would you rather have a 
fifth or sixth round pick next year and Romeo Aquara. Like, I think you kind of would rather have the third and the fourth rounder. And when Deuce Staley gets hired as a head coach, you get an extra third. Yeah, um, I think it's a lot of interesting things. I mean, a guy that I failed to mention, or maybe we kind of glazed over him when we were talking about uh, free agents, is, is Malik Hooker. And I guess he might be a little redundant with Tracy Walker. I guess they kind of play the same type of role. But it'd be signings like that, like getting a guy like Malik Hooker, who, if I can pull him up real quick, is, you know, was a first-round pick, a guy that I really loved coming out of Ohio State, has all the range in the world that you could want from the free safety position is like a deep safety. He's he's going to be 25. He's tw- he's 24 right now. He's going to be 25 on week one. Um, you probably can sign him to a very, very low deal. One year, you know, like two, three million dollars a year. I mean, I think those are the type of guys really, you know, high ceiling. Um, yeah, I didn't know he was that low. young, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he came in when he was, you know, 20, 21, whatever it was. That's a guy who's had, um, I think, an ACL and an Achilles, though, or a shoulder yep. He's had he's had some really really bad injury issues, but yeah, I think yes. that's a good I think that's a good point, man. Malik Hooker is awesome when healthy. And I mean, Lee, you mentioned Dalvin Tomlinson. Like, I guess he's twenty seven, but I mean, that's the type of guy that I think mm-hmm. we, you know, I wouldn't high that. high floor. Maybe the, the ceiling isn't that high, but you're and you're paying a good chunk of change to to secure him. But a guy that really could do wonder. I mean, who do the Lions have that's worth keeping on the interior of their defensive line? You know, I'm, I just think. They really could use kind of a foundational piece like that. You know, he's 27, sign him for three or four years, and, and he can be a nice piece, you know, going forward in the interior of, of that defensive line. And I guess if, if I can just address the uh, our, our Dynasty League conversation from yesterday, um, I do think that I would have liked to see the Lions franchise tag Kenny Galladay because I think that although – Clep, I completely agree with you. Um, you want to, you know, we all don't believe in Jared Goff. We all think that they, the Lions are going to have a top three pick next year and be in the mix for a young quarterback. And, that could, be, and you know, who knows? They might get a guy like Trey Lance this year. But I just think, like, the valuing a compensatory pick, like valuing the potential of, uh, you know, a background, a back back uh, back day three day two pick back round three pick over a guy like Kenny Galladay who's a known commodity like obviously they can hit on that pick and it could turn into a really impactful player and we don't know what Brad Holmes track record is yet we don't know like he could be an absolute stud of a general manager um but you know even then I just think you know I just I I kind of push back against that logic of like stacking the compensatory picks. I know I mean you even look like a team at like New England who has done that for a long uh, while and and was able to stay competitive. But even then they've you know had their have been one of the the worst drafting teams in the NFL. Um, so I guess I don't know. I'm just I'm just kind of trying to push back against uh, that compensatory pick being like trying to not overvalue that pick, I guess is all that I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. I'm just, uh, sure, like, I think hopefully we can have this conversation in like three years where then like, yeah, sure, the compensatory pick doesn't matter, but I just feel like with Galladay's age, like even if you gave him like a four-year, like he's going to want a four- or five-year deal and he's going to want it to be somewhere between 16 and $20 million annually. And I just don't even believe the Lions. Like I think the best case scenario is that you have a chance for a wild card appearance in year three. So I would just rather get the value where I can. And then again, Tommy, if you run, if you if you tag him, I think there's a great chance 
that Galladay doesn't play that well with Goff. So, I, I, and then you lose that value when he leaves or you don't want to Yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of Kenny Galladay not lining up with what the Detroit Lions are trying to do. I don't think it's anything, like, too deep. Um, I obviously, I think I probably think the least of Galladay out of us three. Like, I don't think he's a number one, really. Um, but I, I, I just think that even if he was, like, like Klepp was saying, he wants a five-year deal. He's 27 years old. He's had some injury issues. And the Lions aren't really in a position right now with what they're trying to do as a team to make that commitment uh, financially and and like time wise. So that that's where that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I don't think it's obviously the jury's still out with it, but but I I am happy with the direction they went because I do think it kind of sticks to the script of we're rebuilding this whole thing. And uh, just because Quinn drafted this guy and he was a good player for us doesn't mean that we're necessarily married to him or have to be. So, Yeah, and uh, another thing, uh, this is a one last thing I wanted to bring up and something that I don't think we've, we've talked about yet um, is, you know, we, I obviously had some reservations about the, the hiring of Dan Campbell, but I think, like, what are the chances that we get a, a quote-unquote worst-case scenario of the Lions being like the Giants of, of this last year, where they're, they're overperforming, their defense is overperforming, they're playing super hard for Dan Campbell, and Jared Goff is, like, not awful, but is, like, keeping them in, like, the six-win range, or, you know, God forbid, seven wins, and they're picking 11th, you know, next year in the draft, and you're kind of in this awkward stage where the Giants find themselves with, with Daniel Jones, where you have this kind of stopgap quarterback who, you know, could potentially be be a franchise quarterback, but um, I think Tom, I think I think that's a possibility in a sense, Tommy. But it would take a massive turnaround from the defense. Um, I mean, the defense is just it, it would be hard for it to be worse than it's been over the last three years. I, they're just one of the worst teams stopping the run and stopping the pass. Um, so I think it'll get better schematically, but. It took, I mean, it, it took all Stafford had to get this team to like six wins, right? Like, like so I just, I just find it much more likely that they just kind of bottom out and yeah, maybe they have some moments and, you know, Aaron Glenn coaches the team up and, and they play for Dan Campbell and they get like three wins. I would say good, man. Good. That's awesome. That proves that Dan Campbell is yeah. a good coach. The Lions and the Jets are tied for the most first round picks in the next three years. So if you have the ele- yeah the, the thing I'll say that yeah one more thing sorry Lee but just like you have future firsts from new from from L A so it's like I don't think you're you're stuck at like eleven no you can get you can jump oh yeah up. well of course so. you can jump up I'm just I'm more thinking of like how likely is that scenario because obviously Lee and I had uh, our NFC East pod I felt the way if you were to tell me that Saquon Barkley was going to tear his ACL week two. Um, I would, I, the amount of money I'd put on the Giants to have like a top three pick, you know, would be, yeah, I don't think, I don't think the NFC North will be nearly as big as a dumpster fire as the NFC East was and stuff. And I think that kind of attributed to what the Giants are able to do. Well, how the, what the Giants were able, like, I thought the preseason, if you go back a year, you know, nine months ago, I thought the Giants were one of the worst teams in the NFL. They had a dead end quarterback in in uh, in Daniel Jones. They had an all world running back in Saquon Barkley that just doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because they don't really have any X factors at offense as an offensive uh, as offensive weapons. And then their defense, their defense was awesome this year in terms of what I thought it was going to be. You had a guy like James Bradbury who I thought 
was overpaid in free agency last year, be one of the best corners in the league, and then you know Logan Ryan, all the whole the way that it came together. What's that? And and Blake Martinez, you get big, you you get get high character guys like Logan Ryan, Blake Martinez, Dalvin Tomlinson, you know uh, Dexter Lawrence. Like they've had some nice pieces. Obviously, not a lot of edge rush, but you know, and and really really overperformed. And then also Joe Judge, who. I kind of had no reason to believe was going to be an X factor at all, or an added, you know, an, a, a point of, uh, you know, inspiration for this team, or, a, you know, plus in whatever in whatever aspect. And he ends up, you know, these guys really played hard for Joe Judge, and I'm and I kind of am seeing the similarities because you had the transfer from McAdoo, the McAdoo Patricia type, who just the locker room is gone. They, you know, obviously, Clep, you mentioned it. It took Stafford. It took a guy like Matthew Stafford, who we all believe is an elite quarterback, you know, to to bring this team to however many wins uh, in spite of Patricia. Now you have a less talented quarterback in Jared Goff, but if the whole locker room is buying into what Dan Campbell's selling, like, you could see a team that, you know, is is kind of feisty and, and pesky, the pesky Lions. I think that you're hashtag. on to something, Tommy, but I would say that the Lions are a worse team in a better division. And even if all those things apply... There's still, dude, six wins. I mean, talk about the the Giants won five games, right? Or do they win six? They won six I games. I think it was six. They won six games. Two of those were against Washington, right? And then they they had to have had three or three or four wins in the division. Well, no, they beat Seattle with Colt McCoy. Well, yeah, like that's one of their wins. But I'm just saying that the the fact that the NFC East two against Washington, one against yeah, Dallas, so that's right? three. That's half your wins right there coming in the division. If the Lions, the Lions can't win three games in the division with Stafford, right? If the Lions win three games, in the, if the Lions win six games and win three games in the division, watch out. Like, I love that. That would be incredible. That would honestly be incredible. Year one with the worst roster in the NFL. Like, that is, you know, whatever you guys want to do with that 11th pick, do it. Because we're on to something here. And you don't win Super Bowls overnight. Um, so I guess that's where I'm coming from with that. But I do think that there's just a certain cap to what the Lions can do based on the fact that they they really don't have um, as formidable of a group on either side of the ball, I don't think, as the Giants well, and, did. But, yeah. and, and maybe, and Lee, you mentioned the division, and obviously, uh, like, we all thought that you know the Eagles, the Cowboys looked like you know quasi-elite teams last year, and I don't think the Packers are going to have a drop-off, but... You know, the Bears, like, there's, I was low on the Bears this year. There's no telling, like, we don't know what they're going to be looking like at quarterback. The Vikings should be better, but they're, they still have a lot of problems on defense and, you know, really underperformed this year. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question to see, like, an incredibly top heavy NFC North with the Packers being the clear cream of the crop and then the Lions, the Bears, and the Vikings kind of all. You know, obviously the Lions are maybe the low end of that, but they're not they're not really yeah. that far apart. I think know, that's, that's for sure possible. I think that the Vikings are going to give us a little bit more this year. I don't know. That's just but that's that's kind of for further down the road. I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to throw out just a couple guys free agency, yep. just some feelers for you boys. Maybe maybe that the Lions I think maybe should take a look at. All right. So, I'm going to say number 1 Josh Reynolds receiver Rams. Unfortunately, my guy Tim Patrick got tendered. We'll we'll look at him next year. Um, Josh Reynolds, Rashad Perriman, maybe, you know, just take a little flyer on Rashad Perriman, Tack McKinley. I think Dan Campbell, bring him in. Let's go. Tack McKinley, come on down. He's like, what, 26? 
keeps failing physicals, but you know, let, let's see what happens. Mm, you know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't like Tack McKinley. I don't like Tack McKinley. <laughs> Find me later. Yeah. Um, Keanu Neal. I'd rather have Hooker. I'd rather sign Hooker. Well, here's here, well Keanu Neal. I think is more of the fit, right, Clep? Because you know they don't really have that strong safety role. I guess it's it's Will Harris, yeah. and I think that Tracy Walker and Malik Hooker are a little redundant. Um, I would be. I mean. Clep, maybe I'm a little. I mean, Josh Reynolds. I think a guy like Rashard Higgins, man, he's 26. I think Rashard Higgins has shown some nice things in Cleveland. Clep, I know you were drinking the Kool Aid. Now uh, he's on my he's on my dynasty roster. I really think Rashard Higgins is a nice player. I think he's a you know a, more of a three maybe, but could really you know does a lot of a lot of good things well. And I mean, honestly, like. Yeah, I think if you're gonna go young receiver, I would I would look for a guy like you know Rashard Higgins. Um, I guess Josh Reynolds is worth bringing up. Um, I mean Curtis Samuel, man, I think he fits with what you guys are trying to say. He's he's young. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, he's a guy that they can get creative with. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would assume Anthony Lynn would. I just feel like Curtis Samuel is gonna have a nice little market, and he would be. In what about Jamison Crowder? You're, 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 two years right. later. Two years Let's bring later. Him in. Let's go. And you know what? Let's see what our Darius Stewart's doing. I bet he's he's. I don't know if he's got a job. Is is Jameson a, is Crowder um, a free agent? I don't think he's been cut yet, but I think all signs are pointing towards him him being. Um, a free let's agent. just jump into a little bit of a, a draft talk because you guys were having a little bit of a chat um, in the text messages before. I'm gonna I'm gonna start at a point, and you're gonna give me the percentages to whether you think five quarterbacks will have gone. All right. We're gonna start. We're gonna start it at seven, where the Lions are sitting at seven. What is the percent chance that? And the five quarterbacks would be Lawrence, uh, Fields, Wilson, Lance, and Mac Jones. Oh wow! Five right. Of them. So, yep. So at at seven, what is the percent chance that five quarterbacks have been drafted by seven overall? Eighteen. I'd say somewhere between 30, 35 and forty percent. Thirty thirty to forty percent. Wow. Eighteen. I, really. Percent. If if to go into my mindset right now, when I'm mocking, I'm putting four quarterbacks in the top four. I think I I the way I would do it is Lawrence, Fields, Wilson, and Lance are all gone in the top four. I think Atlanta should needs to be taking a quarterback. I just that's just kind of where I stand on it. So that's maybe why I'm as as biased as I as I am. So I mean, so I mean, maybe a better way to start this conversation is you know what percent chance do you think four quarterbacks go top four? Forty. Yeah, I think like 50, 55, 60, somewhere in there. 40. That's just such a PFF. Like, I can see it happening, but like, you got to believe that one of, someone's going to trade back. Someone's going to take one of the receivers, maybe, or a lineman. Or, I just, I don't see it going bang, 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 quarterback all day. I think, I think, I think four quarterbacks are going the top six. That's my, that's my stance. I don't think Mac Jones will go top 10. I don't think he will. I, I think I think he's going to go somewhere from that ten to twenty range. I don't know where, um, but I think that that's kind of where I stand with quarterbacks. Um, At what point would it shock you in the draft if Mac Jones is still on the board, like twenty? Yeah. Or like if Washington, like I, yeah. I think if Washington just got him without having to do anything, I'd be kind of surprised by that for sure. I would for sure be kind of yeah. surprised by that. But at the same time. I just do think that this is a weird year, obviously, with 
no combine, COVID still not that it did affect us last year, but affected us in a much more vast way this year when it comes to draft preparation and scouting. And you know, this time last month or a month and a half ago, no one was talking about Mac Jones as a top ten or fifteen pick. Yeah. And and he and I get why he is now, and I totally believe that it can happen, but you have to wonder how much of this is just kind of the the, the, the tornado of hype that's, you know, because there, there are other positions than quarterback where a lot of scouts like a lot of players, too, that we probably don't know about. So, what, okay, okay, here, we'll keep, let's keep playing a percentage game. What is the percent chance that a lot of the quarterback hype talk right now is, like, trying to, you know, inflate value for trading back or, like, make teams make moves in free agency? Oh, I think for sure, like, at least 30% of it is, is baloney. Excuse my language. We can bleep that out. That's... That's no. That's not BJP uh, necessary. Sorry, bull crap. Duty ethics. I was gonna jump in and say, um, I just don't know how much I uh, agree because you guys mentioned like obviously I think, Clep to go back to your original uh, question to tie a bow on it. We were talking about this pre-draft. I would be shocked if Mac Jones gets past the Patriots at fifteen, and I think whether that's we talked about the teams outside of the top fifteen. You have Washington. You have. Chicago, um, Indy's not there anymore, but you have Pittsburgh, you have New Orleans. Um, I think those are four teams that all could be in play for trading up for a quarterback, whether that's getting into the top 15, getting into the top 20 for sure. And I just think when you look at like the marketplace, like a bunch of teams need quarterbacks. I think a bunch of teams can upgrade at quarterbacks, whether it's a team like Atlanta who has a guy like Matt Ryan and could, and could groom a quarterback under him just because of like the value of where they are in the draft – or a team like San Francisco, who I think could have their full potential unleashed by an upgrade over Jimmy G. The Patriots obviously don't have a quarterback right now. They have Jared Sidham as their quarterback. Um, you know, like, and then obviously the Washingtons of the world who are set to roll with Heineke, it looks like now. Um, Chicago, you know, and, and obviously a lot of it depends on what the Jets are going to do. Um, you know, with is, where is Darnold, Darnold going to go? But I expect when I do my, in, in my world, I have, you know, Denver being aggressive to go up and get a quarterback, Carolina being aggressive to go up and get a quarterback, San Francisco being aggressive to go up and get a quarterback. I'll say this, Tommy, with what you're saying, if you're right, then uh, six quarterbacks will go in the first round. Like, I think someone else is going to – like, I think if Mac Jones is gone after the top ten, like, there's no way someone's not going to draft friggin' Kyle Trask or, like, even Kellen Mond or someone who – Somebody likes a lot that no one's Jamie Newman. Someone I don't know who it's going to be. I don't quite frankly don't care because it's just going to be these. I want to double. I I I will be surprised if six QBs don't go in the first round. I really think there's yeah. going to be six quarterbacks I, to go in the first I round just because think that, I just think that's absurd. I just think that's so absurd to think about. It's like I don't know, it's, man. It's I, a quarterback league, man. I think we still. I think Tommy. I think that's that's. A, I'm not saying like no chance. Yeah, it's a I'm not saying no chance, but I think you have to wait and see what happens with the quarterbacks, like still in free agency with Watson and Darnold and Winston. I do want to make that clear, though. It's not a quarterback league. It's not just a quarterback league. It's a great quarterback league. You can't just get by drafting Mac Jones with the 10th pick because he's a quarterback. Like That doesn't necessarily yeah. put you in a better position. Drafting Zach Wilson with the number two pick if you're the Jets doesn't put you in a better position. That is a pick that's purely based off of projection. Like, 
How is that any different than drafting Darnold? Because Zach Wilson can make off-platform throws. Like, I don't want to drill in on Wilson because that's all purely subjective. But, like, the I think that you have to draw a line at a certain point of, like, when you're getting kind of quarterback crazy as a franchise or as a league, uh, you know, because I, I'll say it straight up. Like, five quarterbacks in the top uh, ten picks, to me, is insanity this year. Like, I do not think this quarterback class warrants that. I just simply don't think that. So that's just kind of like where I stand, just from an objective standpoint of like, here are the best 100 players in the draft. Here's who should be going. I think that, you To push back on you, Lee, what quarterback class would warrant that? Like, I feel like you just don't think any quarterback class, like there's, what quarterback class in in history yeah, warrant that. you know, you're probably right. But at the same time, the history is on my stance's side, considering that a lot of these guys have been overdrafted over the past, you know, seven years. Like almost every quarterback who's been drafted in the first round the past seven years has been overdrafted. I would say three out of every four of them. So like that needs to mean something. And this stuff is going to continue to happen. Like there's no shot. There's no shot, mark my words, that all five of these quarterbacks are going to succeed in the NFL. So it's just like, I don't know if it's a matter of, 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 of teams getting better at scouting quarterbacks like or what it is because it's just getting out of hand, in my opinion. Um, I guess that's just that, that completes my, my tangent. I think if you look... Um... Since tw- you have the 2017, the Mahomes watching draft, you have 2018, which obviously, like, I know Lee and I, like, we all think highly of Darnold. Um, like, there's four quarterbacks there that are starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that would be a success. We're, we're Darnold away from succeeding from all of those picks being, like, kind of justified. Um, and it's and, and then you have 2019 with, with Kyler and obviously last year with, with Herbert Burrow um, and, you know, Tua, I guess, to a lesser extent. I just think that, you know, the it is a quarterback league, and these teams are – all of their, their whole teams and offenses are being molded around what these quarterbacks can do and not really what they can't do. And I think Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and even Kyler Murray to a le- lesser extent because, you know, Kyler can, can literally do so much. I don't really want to include him in it, but it's more about, like, what these guys can do. Like, Lamar Jackson – like we all don't think Lamar Jackson can pass the ball very efficiently, but he won the MV- he won the MVP of the league and was like unstoppable last year and took his team to the playoffs this year. Like it, that's insane when you think about it. I think look at Josh Allen. Josh Allen had an MVP year this year and like was was an afterthought up until um, this year. So I think so much can change, and that's why I kind of think that like quarterback play it is so much about projection like it is so much about what the potential of Zach Wilson can be because when you think about what you can do when you build an offense around his skill set and really what he can thrive in doing like you have a team like Buffalo who was a joke we went from Klepp saying he's eating up what they're cooking and that was like a, a hot take to Buffalo being like a powerhouse in the in the AFC now so I think time will tell too a lot of these guys like I don't know well, yeah, because, like, you can argue that, like, Jared Goff had success and Carson Wentz had success. It's just, like, can you have consistent year-to-year success I think, is, I think is there's, the question. I think there's so. 25 quarterbacks in the NFL that could make the playoffs of the Baltimore Ravens. Like, I, I don't necessarily think that's impressive. We're talking about Lamar, like, being an MVP, sure. Now we're talking about the Ra- the Ravens don't want to pay him, dude. Like, 
I don't think that's it's, necessarily yeah. true. It's not all. It's not all. You know, like positive. This is what I'm saying. Is like so often people get caught up in the upside and then the projections, which I understand. But nobody takes account for like the underside of that, which is like I think the Jets are a great example. Like, dude, you drafted Sam Darnold three years ago, and you have yet to put him in a position to succeed. What makes you believe now? You're going to draft Zach Wilson yeah. one pick before you drafted Sam Darnold, a dude who projections out through the roof or whatever. What makes you think all of a sudden you're going to be a better team now? Without, Why would you not invest more in the 24-year-old quarterback you drafted three years ago? Has he, is he that bad? Is he the reason you were bad? Unless he's the reason... And he's in the your way of success, which I think all of us can agree. I don't think Sam Darnold is in the way of the Jets being successful. Unless that's the case, you need to be building around him. You have the second pick and the 23rd pick. Just because you have the second pick doesn't mean you have to take a quarterback. This is my like thing, like because of projection. You know, I, I just – I think that – we'll see what the what the results are obviously down the line. But I do think that – Maybe we're seeing a little bit of over market overreaction from seeing guys like Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes not go top seven, top eight. They they were fringe top ten guys, and they're saying, "Oh yeah. man, we don't want that to happen again." So we're gonna we're like God, we don't want to be the team that passed up on Mahomes. And if anyone can be Mahomes, then we don't want to pass up on him. And I think that it's like people are playing that mind game too much. Where in reality, you just need to be building a team. And if you truly believe that you need a quarterback, then go get a quarterback. But it's like this whole theme of with the Dolphins and the Jets where it's like you guys just drafted a quarterback and now that like that you can't be right for drafting two quarterbacks in three years. Like you, you you're wrong. So I don't know. I think of even with a team like Arizona. Well, the team like Arizona, they drafted a lemon and like they Arizona to me, to, to me, <laughs> yeah. Arizona admitted they were wrong when they traded Josh Rosen and drafted Kyler Murray. I think that's like the best case yeah. of what you can do. So then what about like Miami at three? I, I also, I don't, you know, how I, feel I don't want to give up on Tua yet, man. You know how I feel about Tua Clap. I feel way closer to you do than to what Tommy does. I argued against Tua last yeah. year. I obviously wasn't saying he was going to be terrible or anything, but I didn't think he was that good. And I, st- I think it'd be stupid for them to draft a quarterback. I think that would be them turning really? around and being like if Fields is there, like Fields is right there at three. It's, us, it's the Dolphins. The Dolphins are another like unique scenario because of the the riches of draft capital they have. So they can kind of get yeah. away with it, I guess. But it's almost like we have so much draft capital, we're just going to ignore the fact that we spent our number three pick on a quarterback last year. And we played him for eight games this year, and oh, we went ten and six, and he went whatever five hundred. Oh, and but he wasn't good enough because we can turn around and get another quarterback with a third pick this year and try again. It's like, or you could get a franchise left tackle, and you can continue to build around the dude you literally just invested your number three pick in. It's there's something backwards about it that I I just can't quite understand. Lee, Lee I agree, and I think it's it's perfect within the context of what we were talking about, where like. There is growth, and I don't think Tua, like, maybe Tua isn't a difference maker in terms of the quarterback position, and he can't really create for himself in that way, but I don't think there's any reason why, if you, like you're saying, Lee, if if you build around Tua, you give him a line, you give him good weapons, if he can't succeed within that, then obviously that's on him, but I have a really hard time seeing that being the case. Like, 
he when he he was in Alabama's system, he knew it. He had unbelievable playmakers around him, and he was successful in that. And I think there's no reason why that can't be the case in the NFL. I don't think it has uh, yeah. anything to do. We don't with need to have we don't need to have a Tua conversation because that's not even really the point. And I get what you're saying, um, but I just I think it's more of a conversation of like, what is your direction if you're drafting two quarterbacks in two or three years? What what, what are you what are you going for if what what are, what are your scouts' jobs if they're all telling you you should draft Tua at three, and then the next year you're drafting another quarterback? Where would you rank Tua this year in the quarterback class? If you would rank him amongst Justin Fields, why are you replacing him with Justin Fields? Like, in order for for me for you to justify drafting a quarterback for Miami this year is for based on the scouting report you had last year and the sample size you had this year, you come to the conclusion that Tua isn't worth a top ten pick isn't worth even a top 15 pick and that you would be much better off going in a different direction. And I just don't know if that's, that's you basically saying, yeah, we were, we were dead wrong last year. And we found that out in six games this year. Like I I just, it doesn't seem like a recipe for success, I guess is what I'm saying. To, to, uh, to, to, to turn this back into a lions podcast. If four, four QBs go top four, Lee, are you excited or kind of upset that Fields or Lance didn't fall to them? Obviously, I'm going to be a little bit upset that maybe the pipe dream, because I would call it a pipe dream, because I think, like I said, there's a 75% chance, maybe 80%, that those quarterbacks will all be gone by seven. The pipe dream that you're going to get a franchise quarterback, especially like Trey Lance, who I love, that with you have a great situation in Detroit for Trey Lance where you can just sit him. This year, you don't have to throw him to the Wolves. He can learn the offense. He can learn the culture. He can get to know the city. He can get to know what it's like to be a pro. Um, obviously, that sucks. But, dude, at the same time, you Because then you're you looking at, like, draft one of the best position players. You have players. a clean draft yeah. board now. You have two dudes who aren't quarterbacks that have been drafted. You now essentially have the third pick in the draft if no quarterbacks are – if you're pushing quarterbacks out, which is fine if you're Detroit because you need help a whole heck of a lot of other places – so I'm, I want that to be the case. I want Holmes to have to make a decision. You know what I'm saying? Like I want him, his feet to kind of be held to the fire a little bit in his first year as a GM where he can't just shoe in a quarterback pick at seven. Um, and I think that that's going to be the case. I think we're going to see that. So, And I'm going to be happy either way. I really And am. also a, a belated caveat I'd like to, a, a belated caveat I'd like to add too is a lot of the reason why um, I'm saying the top four QBs go within the top four is because like if you're if you're Miami or the Jets and you're not taking a QB, I tend to agree with Lee. Like, I mean, obviously you want to upgrade at the most valuable position, but that being said, um, like those like I think for Miami or the Jets, like it's better for them to trade out, trade back a couple picks, and instead of taking like a guy like Penny Sewell, even though Penny Sewell could be a generational left tackle. If they were to trade out and get, you know, the Denver's ninth pick, a first next year and a second rounder, because that's the value of the second overall pick, and you can get a guy like Rashawn Slater or even Christian Derrissaw, or you go out and get Kyle Pitts or Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or whomever it, it it may be. Like, and same with Miami. I mean, you want to talk about Miami and the Jets both have a treasure trove of draft capital. Imagine if they are just to to keep adding it like that. Um, over the next couple years, and you have even more first-round picks next year, and you have, uh, you know, a Denver's first-round pick, and you know, again, I just think that is really like where you really start to nail it, and you improve your chances of hitting on, on the draft because, uh, you know, the draft ultimately is a crapshoot, especially in a year like this where there's even less information. Um, 
And another side tangent I just want to go on really quick because I saw some people giving um, John Robinson, the GM of the, of the Titans, um, a, a little crap. And I think it was Josh Norris who made this point on Twitter, and I wanted to give him credit because I completely agree. Um, being an NFL GM is incredibly hard. Like the Tennessee Titans have – he's done an unbelievable job in the draft, drafting Derrick Henry, drafting A.J. Brown, drafting um, – who they draft in the first round of the year of A.J. Brown in 2018. I want to say they drafted a, a, a nice impact player. Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons. They got Jeffrey Simmons. Harold Landry's another guy. And then you have last year where you draft Isaiah Wilson in the first round, who they now have traded for a seventh-round pick, a seventh-round pick swapped equivalently. I'm a big Christian Fulton fan. He was fine or whatever in their first year. But they signed Jadavian Clowney. They trade Jarrell Casey. Like They kind of had a bad offseason. Oh, Vic Beasley. They signed Vic Beasley as well, who I think they cut. Um, he was terrible. You know, yeah, he's terrible. They gave they gave Jadavian Clowney thirteen million dollars. They gave Vic Beasley eight million dollars. Like, it's incredibly hard to be a successful GM in the NFL. And I guess I don't know how related this is to what we're talking about, but I just wanted to say that, like, you're not going to be perfect every year. And that's you're gonna, why you're going you're to screw up. You know, if you're going to do it, do it your way. Don't do it Todd McShay's way. Don't do it, you know, Twitter Egg's way. If you're going to do it, do it your way. Do what you believe is right, and if you're at least you're going to get fired making your own decisions and not making some, you know, someone else's decisions. Because I do think that there's with social media and all that, there's a really a lot of outside pressures of, of what decisions to make, and we'll see what happens with the Jets and the Dolphins. But I mean, man, <laughs> taking another quarterback, you know, you 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 better be drafting a franchise quarterback if you're drafting two quarterbacks in the top five picks in three years. Like you, if you like, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's a potential death sentence for Joe yeah, Douglas or Chris Absolutely. Greer. Absolutely. And, and, and like, so, sorry, Tommy, like you were saying, like, if you do believe in Darnold and you can move down from the second pick and then all of a sudden you have three picks in the first round and more picks, like, I mean, maybe then you can really find out if he's good or not. Like, and then if he's not good, you'll have a whole heck of a supporting cast to bring a new guy in with. So And draft capital. Um, and also, you know, we talked about Mac Jones, like, what if the Lions are at seven and, and the big four is gone and Mac Jones is on the board and, you know, the Patriots are calling up and say, hey, you want to move back to 15, we'll give you 15 a second and, you know, maybe a second next year or even a first next year or just 15 and a first next year. And the Lions, are if, if they're going to continue with the, the Kleppian plan of pushing it all down the road a little bit, like then the Lions are rolling into next year with – Potentially a top five pick. I mean, probably for sure a top fifteen pick and two other and the Rams first round pick and the Patriots first round pick. And there's no guarantee that the Patriots are going to be good with a rookie Mac Jones. So um, overall, I think the Lions are in a are in a nice situation. What do you say we go into full Rogan four hour territory and reopen the Dak Prescott conversation a year later? You just paid the twelfth best quarterback in the NFL the second best quarterback in the NFL's money. Congratulations. <laughs> that that's where the conversation ends. Do you really think he's the 12th best quarterback in the NFL? I mean, somewhere in that ballpark. I think 8 to 12, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can name seven quarterbacks better than him. For sure. I do think a, a lot of people were mentioning um, that that Jerry being the, the highly connected NFL uh, bigwig that he is, that this is a sign of a huge new TV deal coming in. The impending, uh, you know, salary cap raising. So, buff, buff Kirk Cousins. That's Dak. He's buff Kirk Cousins. Last year was uh, last this time last year the world was ending. Yep. Um, it's a that was a heck of a draft season. Hopefully we're uh, it was indeed. 
Hopefully we're on the back nine of this COVID experience. It's getting old. One, I mean, before we, before we sign off, we have to get, Lee, your response. Chris Sims putting Kellen Mond as his number four. I mean, first of all, he puts Zach Wilson number one, which I think is egregious and is ridiculous in its own right, even though I, I guess I'm the Zach Wilson guy of our group. But then Kellen Mond at number four. Uh, Lee, what, what is your response to that? I love it, man. I love – what did I just say about GMs? Do it your way. Chris Sims yeah. doing it his way. He's not listening to what anyone else has to say. And that is what I love. He's not li- – sure, dude, I don't agree that Zach Wilson's the number one quarterback. But, dude, I love that that's his take. And he will he will stand by that take. He's not hiding from it. Like, you know, and the fact that he had Mond at four, I heard that. I don't know, Tommy, if it was you that told me that. But, like, apparently there were a handful of NFL GMs that were pissed that he exposed Mond as a, as a top five quarterback prospect. Apparently some people in his cert, he, he's very well connected, Chris Sims. And apparently uh, some GMs were saying, oh man, you kind of exposed Mon a little bit. It, that, that list made me think, holy crap, we don't know what's coming when the draft hits. Like there's going to be some weird stuff happening. That's kind of what well, that And also for think. what it's worth, I was just going to say too, Chris Sims has been like one of the better quarterback evaluators um, for college, I feel. I mean, he obviously he I was high on Herbert last year. He had uh, Herbert uh, higher than Tua, so I mean, I think it's uh, it isn't it is encouraging for the Kellen Mond hive. Yeah, I almost think last year, because COVID hit when it did, we thought, oh, the draft is going to be crazy, and there really wasn't that many fireworks in terms of trades or super surprise picks. Uh, I almost feel like that wave might hit. We maybe overreacted because there was a full slate of college games. There was a full combine. I think this year it could be really, really wonky. Yeah, I agree, man. I for sure agree with that. A lot of, lot of mirror rooms in these draft rooms, man. A lot of mirror rooms. So we'll see, man. I can't wait. With each passing day, it gets more exciting. Um, you got to, I guess, to close out the pod. What's are Watson are Watson and Darnold going to be figured out before the draft, or is this going to be something that happens during or after? I would say I, I mean, it depends what game the Texans are playing. Um, I think from all accounts, Watson is going to refuse to play there. Um, so if the Texans, I, I think that move has to be done before the draft, just with the amount of capital that it's going to take. I think the Texans need to get that move done before the draft. Um, I mean, Lee, you talk about the Lions having the worst roster in the league. If you deal Watson post-draft, like I, I, that roster is going to be like a like the the crater that it's the, made, made the dinosaurs go extinct. Like there's going to be nothing there. Like you literally have Zach Cunningham on your team and Laramie Tunsil. Um, I mean, what Kiki Kuti would be like your number one receiver. So I feel I think the Watson deal does get done before the draft. Darnold, I'm not so sure, just because the Cardinals. I mean, just going off of recent history, when the Cardinals drafted Kyler, you know, Rosen was on the the team for another day, and I would be kind of surprised at this point if Darnold does net a first. So I think that's a move that you can make uh, the the night of or the day you know before day two, before round two starts, but. Yeah, it just it just it just depends. I think I think the Jets will hold out to the last second to see what the final offer is for that maybe second pick if they want to stick with Darnold. I'm not completely sure. I would say I would say I'd expect Watson to be dealt pre-draft. Darnold, I'm not so sure. Yeah, Clep, I agree with you. I mean, I think both of it, both of them will be done um, 
by the by the end of the draft for sure. I mean, I know obviously I don't think Houston wants to trade Deshaun. They kind of are still holding out hope that they're going to like you know bully him into playing for them. He's going to wake up one morning and forget everything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, throwing. I mean, me personally, I think Deshaun Watson's going to be a Carolina Panther man. And uh, oh, he's is, hopping on, I'm, baby. I'm I'm hopping on the prop on the on the prophecy Carolina Panthers. I've been working on a mock trade. I want, I'm, and I and I'm kind of thinking of this right now. Also, by the way, I'm in the midst of a, a pouring LA rainstorm right now. I'm outside and I'm staying on for the pod. And I don't care if I get electrocuted for death because this is what I love doing. All right, I'm doing mock Deshaun Watson trades to Carolina. All right, one eight. Um, their second round pick, a first round pick next year, Brian Burns, and either Dante Action Jackson or Jeremy Chen for Deshaun Watson. Rich for for Carolina. Yeah, you're giving up the two. It's a lot. You're I, mean, up I the, think you're setting your defense back. Yeah, after you're giving you just up your two it. best young players on defense, arguably, and two first round picks, one of which is a top ten. I mean, I don't know, man. So what does an offer? Know. We talked about this a couple pods ago, but like, what does an offer for Deshaun Watson look like? You know, like it's just so first, it's such second, an unprecedented. At at least. Two first rounders. Yeah, first, second, first next year, DJ Moore and uh, Christian McCaffrey. See if I'm, rather, I'd I mean, rather yeah. give up McCaffrey than than those guys on defense. Well, honestly. well, that's exactly, Lee, and that's why. Like, if I'm Houston, I'm not. I have no interest in Christian McCaffrey just because, like, he's not moving the needle really as much as a guy like Brian Burns, who like a really impact edge rusher. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, I feel like it's going to have to be some combination of Brian Burns. Uh, Derek Brown, Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chen. Like I feel like those are the guys that I would be targeting if I'm Houston. Um, I stand pat on that if I'm Carolina. I would stand pat on that, but we'll see, man. I mean, yeah, he's gonna Watson's going to be traded for an obscene, obscene loot of picks and players. So we'll see how that plays. out. Well, would out. you rather? Would you rather trade like four first round picks or two first round picks and two like young impact players? Um, well, I I'd rather trade first round picks than Jeremy Chin right now or Brian Burns for that matter. Like I think those guys are going to be those guys are like cornerstones of your defense. I think even Derek Brown, you just picked Derek Brown with like the seventh pick or whatever. Like uh, I think I'd rather trade a future first where Deshaun Watson will be my quarterback than trading a player who's making my team better today with Deshaun Watson as my quarterback, you know? So, 1-8, a second rounder, a first next year, a second next year, McCaffrey. You know, I think that can get a, I think that can start a conversation with Houston for sure. All right, I don't boys. I see McCaffrey die in Houston. what I had to do. He's dying in Carolina. <laughs> he hasn't played, and he's been, and they're doing the same things without him that they did with him, basically. So, alrighty, boys. Q, I did it my way. Along the highway, and more, much more than this. I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew When I bit off more than I could chew 
laughed and cried I had my fill, my share of losing And now, as tears subside I find it all so amusing To think I did all that And may I say Not in a shy way Oh no Oh no, not me I did it My way For what is a man What has he got If not himself Then he has not The right to say Shows. I took the blows and did it my 